0: Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher.
1: I'm Kitty. I'm Sydney. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about the unique deck games Keyforge and Soulforge Fusion. Both have had big news recently. Keyforge being bought by a new company, and Soulforge Fusion... Shipping to Kickstarter backers, but do unique deck games have staying power? Would a dedicated online app make a difference? If you're a board gamer only, should you even care?
2: Yes, I promise. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show: Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Gray's Lake, Illinois. A huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, yeah, for those of you who did not join in our live recording Mondays, eight thirty Central Time. <laughs> You missed a tour of Kitty's house, and yeah, I think that that by itself is a reason to join us. Join us I'm, live.
1: If that was a tour of my house, man, then, I mean, <laughs> you guys saw like the grossest two corners of my house, but like,
2: I'm not saying it was a good tour. I'm just <laughs> trying to like throw things out there. Um, but if you can't join us live, you can join our Discord, and uh, link is in the show notes, and you can join our BGA group on Board Game Arena. That link is not in the show notes. Actually, it kind of is. It takes you to the group, and then you have to message me or Getty19, and then we will send you an invite, and then you can join the group. We're up to 95 in that group right now. So it's growing, and that is partly due to what we announced last week that Kitty decided not to be here for, um, which is TGTCon, which is happening at the end of this month. I should know the dates. I should have written them down. August 27 and 8. I'm doing that off the top of my head. But it's the last Saturday and Sunday of the month. Yes. And, all right, excellent. And everybody should do this. Um, Not everybody, but at least the people that are cool. So if you're cool or not cool, or want to hang out with people that are cool. Also, I it's, it's online. Oh, it is online. It's on Discord. And it's on Board Game Arena. So it's super easy. And you can just show up for a game. However... I did promise door prizes last week. Uh, Kitty, do you remember what those door prizes were?
1: Um, I heard physical games. I heard BGA oh. memberships. And I okay. heard t-shirts if somebody can figure out how to work graphic design.
2: I'm, I'm actually impressed because that was more than I thought. Um, <laughs>
1: I yes. only listened to the episode this afternoon because I knew I was going to get quizzed on it. <laughs> <laughs> I listened with my kid, and since he's met you guys both in person, he's like, "Hey, that's Chris and Fletcher. They're my favorite guys," (laughs) and it was real cute.
2: Aw, I'm his favorite. I I always, yeah, you are. You're the real favorite. (laughs) But
1: Chris was in the same podcast, so he got included. That's true because
2: I got favorite by association. I can live with that. (laughs) Um, I did put together a little uh, T-shirt badge thing that I'm I'm kind of happy with, so I think that we might end up having the ability to get T-shirts. I will do look into it more this week. As far as I like, have to have a, nice a chance tender.
1: at least to try to submit my design, Fletcher was like, "Oh, Kitty can do it," and Chris is like, "I don't think she can." So now I'm like, "I don't." I have to at least try.
2: <laughs> All right, you have you have two days. Um, actually, you probably have more than that, but you have some time. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a just blew thing. a
3: fly. The three of you, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it has to be something s- like I. C- uh, you show me what you got, and and show we'll me what you've I have done. ideas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason sent me something too. Um, so I have I have things to choose from. There are options and things we can choose from, but. I might put it up for a vote, or I might just say no. I like this one. We'll see. No, I am king. The power of being the producer. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what else. Oh, but I am adding, adding. So I'm going to be very clear on this. So this is this is my incentive. Also, it's completely free. All you have to do is have a board game arena account and join our Discord. That's all you have to do. And it's not really. I'm not trying to like. Get people to join the Discord or BGA. I have no monetary investment in either way. I just want to play with a lot of people on a weekend. So this is what we're going to do. On Saturday, we're going to have two drawings um, for the door prizes. There'll be other things too, um, more drawings, but two specifically, and one on Sunday. If you play in three hours worth the game on Saturday, you will have two chances for a $100 gift card to wherever you want. And on Sunday, if you play for two hours in any game, then you'll have one chance at $100. So that is my my monetary gift to monetary door prize to get people to show up and play games with me. That sounds pathetic, <laughs> but I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> I mean, that's why I have a podcast too, right? Please play games
0: Some with me. Some people would like me. Is that why you started yes. this podcast? You're like, in five years... I can gather enough people to play games with all day. It's,
2: it's, it's going to be six years, minus a couple weeks. But yeah, I have to actually get a hold of Josh to see if he uh, would like to come on and also play games with us that way. I
0: like that you voluntold he that he
2: would do that. And you're like, I should talk to him. I should probably talk to him first, but I think I can do this. I think I can make it happen.
3: He's very good at being voluntold. He is. He's, he's just like,
2: okay. And and plus, he doesn't even have to be home. Like, he can do this from anywhere. It's BGA.
1: Realizing so you- how long we've been doing this podcast just made me realize how old I'm turning on my birthday. And I don't like it. Because <laughs> I joined yeah. this podcast at my 30th birthday party. <laughs> it's not like
2: we were you talking about now- CDs
3: and cassette tapes before recording.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I know.
2: I'm just. Uh, I mean, six years is a long time. I think it's six years, right? Am I dividing yeah, that right? I think yeah, you are correct years.
1: because, yeah, that that makes the <laughs> math of my birthday work.
2: That's, that's that's a lot of time. It checks that out. A lot of time. Um, <laughs> speaking of our Discord, I did. So, Surf Sully found this um, Discord bot. So, if you're not familiar with Discord, just jump on Discord and start using it. It's probably if you're not familiar with it, just just, just
0: just jump on it
2: just do it. Like that's
0: yeah. Just do it. Boom
2: boom
1: Zoom call is all dancing right now.
2: <laughs> I, I do not know. I'm too old to understand what you're doing. But I'm not too old to understand um, that song.
1: <laughs> you're just too uncool to understand what's happening. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, that could, I mean, they're very similar things, right? Yeah, But anyway, I installed a new Discord bot. And Fletcher, this might even get you on Discord. I don't know. It's called the Epic RPG Bot. And I am too old. Like Most of the people I'm going to say this to will have... Well, most of the people listening will have no idea what I'm saying. But I used to play MUDs back in my college days. Oh, yeah. I know what MUDs are. So these are basically text-based online role-playing games. And this bot is essentially... A mud. And you're going around and you're, you know, it's it's you're not doing like north, north, south. You don't have to do that part. I get rid of that piece. But you're basically, you know, you go out, you hunt things, you collect things, you craft things, you do quests, you go on adventures, you go to dungeons. You can work with other people that are like in your Discord and stuff. And it's really kind of fun. And there's about a little over half a dozen of us right now that have been getting into this over the past couple days. So if you want a place to play Epic RPG or you already have an Epic RPG account, apparently it transfers over. So you can do it on any server. Um, come on over to Discord, and we have an entire channel just for you. Um, the Discord bot is not allowed in any other channel besides its designated channels. So we are making sure that it doesn't get, you know, doesn't take over the server because this bot is pretty complicated. But uh, yeah, Fletcher, you should join us and play Discord RPGs with us, <laughs> and so should you, Sydney. But I think you might get. Like There's a stuck. lot of things
3: you want me to join.
2: Uh, there, there are. And I got you to join the podcast finally.
3: <laughs> finally.
2: So also for t T-Con, not that I'm not jumping around all over the place. Um, there is going to be, I have a designated or a volunteered expert game master for Blood on the Clock Tower. So this is all the new hotness social deduction game. So there will be a blood on the clock tower game going on. Probably Saturday night would be my guess. And it'll be run by someone who's run. I don't know, probably at least dozens, but many, many dozens of these blood on the clock tower online. So they've been playing it Sydney what, like two years now they've been playing this game.
3: A very long time.
2: Yeah. So I know it just came out physically, and that's why everyone's talking about it now. But it's been online for quite some time. So if you're interested in playing Blood and Clock Tower, um, that is one of the things you'll be able to do at TGTCon as well. So, Sydney, why are you here again? Because I like KeyForge
3: and SoulForge.
2: Oh, right. So that's why we're talking about today. Um, yes. And so for those of you who are relatively new, Sydney is on a podcast called Help, Help from, from Future Self. Which is a Keyforge podcast. And you took a little bit of a hiatus. Over the summer,
3: yeah. Took a little bit of a break. Keyforge took a break. I took a break. It was a mutual thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you weren't really planning on coming back until Keyforge was announced that they're coming back. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Interesting. And then, in forging what, keys. what makes. <laughs> exactly.
3: Semi my profile. So...
2: So again, for those of you who are new, um, Sydney and I were really, really into the KeyForge scene for quite a while, and then this uh, pandemic thing happened, and then FFG, uh, who owned Past Tense KeyForge, um, somehow lost the algorithm to create new <laughs> decks. How do you lose that? Or
3: said they did. Either way, what ended up happening was under the radar behind everything that they were saying, they ended up selling the IP and everything related to KeyForge to the company Ghost Galaxy.
2: Galaxy Ghost. Galaxy I, Ghost. No, Ghost Galaxy. Ghost Galaxy. No, you were saying it. You were saying it wrong on on the most recent episode. Um, now I have to double check, but it's Ugh. it's. I want to say it's Ghost Galaxy. No, I lost my page though. Um, but in any case, yes, they have been bought, and this this company that um ghost galaxy correct uh this company is owned by christian peterson peterson i believe um who started ffg so and he's the one who brought keyforge into ffg so i don't know like i'm i'm feeling that keyforge has a bright future in front of it although they still can't print decks because apparently when they bought the ip they brought the broken algorithm
3: what too, they're trying to no do organized. is make sure that everything that has historically been scanned and used is still valid and so we're the the community is giving them a lot of credit right now because they are one being entirely open and communicative and two trying to do the things that the fans want so that way it's something that we we know we can give them we're giving them the benefit of the doubt at the moment
2: right so now, Kitty, you were into KeyForge as well, and Fletcher. We made you play a couple times. Yeah,
0: but <laughs> I, but I'm interested how do how do how do they lose the algorithm of generating these? There, That's there's a, great- a lot
1: of information not available about that. (laughs) Yeah. So I will say,
3: one of the things that they had trouble doing was when certain cards were unique in certain ways, and that's as as detailed as I'll get, it wasn't actually picking up with the QR code. And so that was a part of what they claimed they were trying to fix when behind the scenes FFG was selling the game. And so that could be something they're actually really addressing now.
2: Yeah.
0: but I think that that's that's part of it. But I mean, like, they they printed all the cards, like...
2: There yeah. was at one point like a master <laughs> list or a master algorithm that generated all of this. The master algorithm that generated it. So I'm going to try to say this in as non-techy way as possible. Um, first, why this is absurd and why anyone who heard they lost the algorithm should say, huh? Yeah, why? That's what I'm confused. How is that even possible? Yeah. So in the coding world that Fletcher and I live in, there is this concept called source control. And we do source control so that we don't lose algorithms. Um, and an algorithm is just a computer program. There's nothing special about it. Um, you could call it the logic of a computer program if you wanted to. But in any case, um, it should be impossible to lose something that is the backbone to an entire product line. Like, that should just not be possible. In order to have lost something like that, and put that in air quotes, you have to... I mean, it's just... It's just pure. Neglect. You would have and so I don't many, many other things th- that are bigger problems in
0: that case. It's like, oh, yeah. GitHub is like down. The internet is down.
2: You know, we're yeah. at war with it Martians. Would, yeah, it'd be it'd be the equivalent <laughs> of yeah, the, the Martians taking over the internet. Yeah. Well, um, trust me,
3: from the fans' point of view, there was enough else also wrong with the way FFG was running KeyForge, which what, which is why we are so happy they are no longer. Exactly.
2: Sure. Um, but just back to the algorithm thing for a moment. The front runner theory is that they were targeted with, um, oh, what's the, what am I thinking of that encrypts all your data ransomware? Yeah. That was the,
1: the rumor that I heard.
2: Yeah, but I think I heard that it they, from
1: you, Chris. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably. Well, Stephen Bonacore actually announced this on his podcast of um, the Board Game Insider, and he got it from an anonymous source who apparently works at the company. But I've never heard it confirmed anyplace else. The problem with that is it still should not stop them. Because the way source control works is every developer who works on it has a copy of the source on their machine. And yes, you might get targeted and your main server might get targeted, but you should still have a ton of copies of the code wherever you're at. So there's more to it than that. It's possible that just the way they were, a lot of the game companies are a little bit overcautious on how they like store their source code and that type of stuff. So it's possible that they're like, no, this just exists on one server and you have to check it out and then check it in and then you delete it from your machine. I don't know. Maybe it only existed on work computers and all the work computers got encrypted all at the same time. Whatever it is, they stopped being able to generate decks, And so they had to rewrite the code from the ground up. So coming
3: from a place that has totally forgiven them, I feel like people like me, will take what they say and not understand it to the level that you do and <laughs> i'm like all right cool i trust you guys and they, they 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 used up a lot of credibility saying that and having people like me believe them
0: yeah it's yeah. it's like i mean oh, i lost my ticket at the coat check like can i <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's like what? Yeah. <laughs> how do you lose so, well, that
2: the moral of the story though, not the moral, but the point of the story is Keyforge died. Like it was gone. Oh, yeah. And they, they had a set that was all designed and ready to print, but they couldn't generate any decks for it. And they announced kind of midway through the pandemic that, Hey, Keyforge is on hiatus. We don't have anything that we can do anymore. We can't make decks. You can still scan decks. Um, all the decks that are currently printed are still valid. They just can't, you know, make anymore. Now, Depending on where you were on the spectrum, you could be like, okay, this is just FFG's way of killing Keyforge and trying to save face, or this is FFG's way of, you know, killing C- Keyforge and maybe everyone forgets about it. But they did come back and say, okay, we're working on it. You know, we're, we're in the process. Then a couple months ago, um, actually not even that June 21st is when this was announced. Keyforge was acquired by Ghost Galaxy and suddenly. Everyone's talking about Keyforge again because they are investing in this IP. They took all, they own the whole IP, um, any code that is being created or whatever. They own all of that, they own everything. And so that is a great sign for Keyforge. Somebody, a, a company with someone at the helm that has been in the industry for two and a half decades now, maybe more, um, feels strongly enough about the game where they want to bring it back. Now, they're still saying don't expect any more decks until like January first quarter next year. Um, but they will be at Gen Con and they will be doing well through and they're supporting another group that's putting on KeyForge events. And so they're, also- they're supporting them.
3: In good faith, they are taking the print and play co-op version that FFG created and actually turning that into a a product that people can buy. So that was something that the fans wanted incredibly much when it first came out. But because it was only print and play, it was something that was less far reaching. But they're, they're doing it in good faith to to the fans of the community saying that okay. we're really here to make this real.
2: Yeah, so they're, they are generating a product. And honestly, we'll talk more about the co op product as well, because I think that this is going to be setting itself apart. But at the same time that Keyforge was being announced that it was coming back, Soulforge Fusion, which is another unique card game, also designed by Richard Garfield, who, so Richard Garfield designed Keyforge, Soulforge Fusion. his own algorithm, ransomware his own um, algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> <Ransomware> his own <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> um magic net net runner he's done he's done a lot of card game he's done a ton of board games too um this this game soul forge was a game that came out and maybe a little bit of history on soul forge because a it's KeyForge and soul forge designed by the same guy a decade apart from it each is other soul forge
1: fusion is the yes. whole name correct yes
2: correct but, but Chris let's can't about, be
1: bothered to say that all. So
2: no, let's talk about Soul Forge for a moment because we're going to talk about Soulforge. Forge because Soulforge Forge Fusion is a new version. Is different, of Soul Forge. okay. Yes. So Soul Forge was a direct to well, it was actually app, PC, it was everything, um, digital card game, and it was designed in a way that says, "Hey, look, there's lots of physical card games out there. We want to design a digital card game that." you can only really do digitally. And this is stone blade. They're the same um, company that does uh, ascension. So they've, you know, and around the same time as well, they, they did both of these games. Um, so the way that this game works in general is whenever you play a card, there's, it's a lane based game. So there's five different lanes. You can play creatures to, um, And there's also spells you can play to modify these creatures. Whenever you play a card, it either goes in play or goes away. If it's a spell and an upgraded version of that card goes into your discard pile. You'll play through five hands. So you draw five cards. You play any two you want. Those two get upgraded and put in your discard pile. Repeat that process for... It's basically multiple turns. We'll just say there's a bunch of turns. And your cards keep leveling up. It's That's a very difficult thing to do in a physical card game, right? You can't just level up cards in a physical card game. Um, it would be a pain in the butt. Also, the stats in Soulforge ranged from one to 30. So you could have creatures with like 28 health and 15 attack and your health was like 50 hit points and they're, you're trying to knock yourselves down. So it was a very, very fun game. I backed it on Kickstarter. It was one of the very first things I ever backed on Kickstarter. I played it at Gen Con when it first came out. Um, many people loved it as it came out and then Hearthstone came out and Hearthstone essentially sucked all of the audience away from Soul Forge. And the companies just said, okay, we can't support this anymore. And it just went away. That created a lot of hard feelings at the time. 10 years later, they're like, hey, we're going to bring Soul Forge back in physical form. It never existed in physical form before. And we're going to modify the gameplay so it works better in physical. And we're going to do a whole bunch of things to make it a good physical game. And we've been working with Richard Garfield. And oh, by the way, it's a unique deck game just like Keyforge. Keyforge was dead at the time when they made this announcement. I was dead at the time. And I looked at this, dead at the time, and I looked at this campaign on Kickstarter, and I'm like, 100% all in. Uh, Because I can't really be 100% all in. That's a lot of decks. But I I basically said, yes, I'm definitely backing this. The difference between Soulforge and Keyforge is Soulforge has four factions. Um, Keyforge has an unlimited number and when you buy a deck f- of soulforge you're going to get four decks one of each faction so every box contains four decks but they're half decks and then you can combine any of those two half decks together to make your version of the deck if you have more than one box the only restriction is when you're putting two t- half decks together they can't be the same faction that's that's the the core premise um plus they were doing going just we're going are going way above and beyond in like all the different possible ways that cards can be modified and play off of each other and there's just some crazy combos that you can get in there. So all of this sounded amazing to me so I backed it. And now it's come out. And Sydney and I have played a couple games in person. So I I have my feelings about it. Remember I loved the original game quite a bit. Um Sydney, you were introduced to this what uh 5 days ago, right? Mhm. Yes. And you've played two games since. And now your impressions.
3: So I wanted to play the second game because I liked it so much the first time. I just thought it was incredibly fiddly. It was it was really easy to to fix yourself back up to the board state you're supposed to be in. But you kind of needed to do that every round so that you, you didn't get behind and make too many mistakes. But other than that, I actually really enjoyed the game. I feel like if I invested as much time and effort into getting good half decks as I'd do for getting good decks for Keyforge, then I could really find a synergistic combo that I would love playing this game with.
2: Kitty and Fletcher, did you guys watch the video on this one? Yes. Yes. Alright. What is your impressions, Fletcher?
0: Um, it seems like it's a lot like Keyforge, except there's more <laughs> mixing and matching and um I don't know. They didn't really go into enough detail in the videos, so it's kind of hard to tell how different the combat is or how fiddly it could be. I didn't really get a good sense of that. Okay.
1: So my impression was um, I wasn't as interested in it. It is back to the kind of same old dueling game that almost all head-to-head card games, competitive card games are, where you have creatures and you are fighting down each other's health and with keyforge it's not that it's a race you are trying to forge your keys before your opponent and that that is the the main difference and um while it does still incorporate the unique deck system i was actually kind of disappointed with keyforge because i was hoping with that game that it would eliminate some of the pay to win aspect feeling of a lot of competitive card game scenes And I was hoping that with this kind of random deck setup that the the decks would be more evenly matched and that it would be more player skill and you could learn the skill, learn the combos, figure out your decks better to be a better player, not just, oh, well, I can go on eBay and buy a $200 deck and be a not great player. But with this magical combo that somebody told me about on the Internet, I just win. And that that felt really frustrating to me. And I don't see how they've done anything to change that in this game.
2: And for Keyforge or Soulforge?
1: Any of them. (laughs) All all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, I will say
3: something that I liked about Keyforge that I think Soulforge would benefit from are the sealed... Way to play, uh-huh. and that's kind of how you introduced me to it, Chris. You just gave me some some random decks and said, put two of these together, and I, I picked the ones I thought were cool, and that was actually a really fun way to play, because if I were to invest the time and energy and find really, really good decks, this could be a a very much a... The more time and money that you invest, the, the more you're just going to blow the opponent out of the water. Yeah.
2: I will say my biggest thing that I like from the Soul Forge concept is... The half decks. I think that that by itself it kind of a, creates an after, yeah, kind of kind of a unique thing. Yeah, and it creates an aftermarket that KeyForge just doesn't have. Um, you know, Kitty mentioned you mentioned you know the two hundred dollar deck. There's not a lot of those out there, right? There's it's very rare to find a deck that people are willing to spend you know any significant amount for, and I don't say that because I think there should be crazy prices. I say that because a competitive card game, and both of these games are trying to be competitive card games, in order to stay healthy, you have to have a healthy aftermarket. Otherwise, you're just spending money buying things that you really have no way... They don't have any value, right? A Keyforge deck is worth more before you open it than after, in almost all cases. And you don't really want... That's not a healthy aftermarket. It doesn't keep... You know, we're going to talk about Fresh and Bud in that same way, too. But um, that's a completely different topic. I have some videos. I was right. Everyone else was wrong. I have videos to prove it. So I won't talk about that too much. But... So are um, most decks of
3: cards, though. Like, if you have a pack of unopened Pokemon cards, it is probably worth more than opening it. But if there are enough... Packs out there with enough good cards in them. Like there are enough decks out there with enough good cards in them that those are the ones that are brought to competitive settings.
2: Yes. But with a, a key or a a Pokemon card or a magic um, card or even Yu Gi Oh!, there are cards in there and they're not super uncommon that you can open and say, oh, this card is worth $15. You're not going to see that with a Soul Forge or with a Keyforge deck, typically. Um, you might find, I mean, there are decks that sell for that much, but most of them sell for a buck or two. You know, once they're opened, they sell for a buck or two.
1: Yeah, it seems like either they are, and like, you know, maybe my, my number was off, but it seems like either, you know, somebody opens this deck and they look at it and say, this is good or it is bad. And right. a good deck can be resold and a bad deck has now become worthless. And there are more bad decks than good decks out there. I wouldn't even call them bad decks. They're, they're still fun there to are play. They're more average They're playable decks. decks. They're average yeah. decks. There's a ton... Yeah. Uh, There are probably some really bad decks out there, which actually might be more valuable because (laughs) if you're running reversal tournaments when you get to Keyforge, you might want to have a really bad deck that you're going to hand an opponent. But the average deck... Is worthless. That's actually yeah, a great exactly. point.
3: Over the course of the pandemic, a lot of new variants for Keyforge came out where people were coming up with different rules or different restrictions on playing. And I can't see that for Soulforge where if the if you have a lot of weird ways or restrictions on your decks that make you pick those average decks that still keeps them alive and and gives them value and use for yourself, especially like if it's something as random as you need this this card in your deck, then if you only have a couple of decks with that card in it, then those are the pool you have to pick from where I don't see Soulforge coming up with a lot of different changes or variations on how you currently play to make that more interesting.
2: Well, here's the thing that I think Soulforge has over Keyforge. And for the competitive and aftermarket, a half deck is just a half a deck. And you don't know that there isn't another half deck out there that isn't going to make this deck really, really good. It's the combination is trying to find the two decks that work the best together. And that search means that every half deck you have has something in it that could be valuable to someone else who's trying to pair it together. Now, I've only looked at 12 half decks. And all the cards to me look the same. So another thing with these half decks is they have 10 cards in them. Um, so And they're always unique. There's never repeated cards. It's just there's 10 cards. They can be modified or whatever. Every in, Of those 10 cards, they have three levels. So there's 30 cards in a half deck, but you only ever play with 10 at a time. Um, so it's if you're looking for a particular set of cards that are going to go well with yours. Like I have a half deck that has a lot of spell manipulation stuff in it. So I want to find another deck that has a lot of spells in it because then those two together are going to work well. And now I have one with the spells in it, but now I want to find something that's maybe a tweaked a little bit better. And because I can take these decks and kind of swap them out and try a little bit of different here, a little bit of different there without changing the core deck, right? Half of it can just stay the same and I'm just swapping in other things. It makes that search for the other half a little bit more interesting. I'm not saying it's they're going to be like amazing values, but it's more interesting to try to find that combination. It's just enough of the deck building to come back that someone I don't want to build decks, but being able to find a deck that works well with something that I like, that to me is actually kind of fun. And I think that that's the one thing that drew, drew me to Soulforge Fusion more than anything else was this concept of, "Oh, I can just mix these two things together."
1: I think um, that's really great. How long have you had to play this game? 5 days. Oh, give.
2: <laughs> keep in mind, there's. I, I have more things to say about it. Okay. Um-
1: because I, I think, <laughs> you know, give it a couple months. People will figure out the combos. Oh, you don't need to have any of these decks to mix together. You don't need to find this deck and this deck. I need to find the counterpart, this beautiful soulmate to the deck that I love. No, it's going to be what goes online. Somebody's going to say you need this combo to win. These are the four decks, the kinds of decks that have them. This is how you get it. And there are going to be other people who find other ways, but there will be the meta game of these are the cards that you need. These are the kinds of decks that you have them. Um, this has become the competitive scene. Yeah, and I see Sydney and, nodding at me. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, no, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think Soulforge Fusion has other problems on top of that. But before I get to the the negative parts of things, I want to talk about some more positive things. We mentioned at the top um, how Ghost Galaxy is releasing the co-op slash solo scenarios for Keyforge. I don't see Soulforge Fusion doing that. I'm sure they could, but I don't see them doing that. I don't think that's their focus right now. I think Keyforge could absolutely like make this a game that you could do co-op or solo, which would make most like if you're playing a co-op game or a solo game, you don't need the highest competitive decks anymore. It makes all those middle range decks, all of them are viable now because you're just playing co-op right you're not in that heightened competitive thing i think what ghost galaxy needs to do is not only release the two that were already done during the pandemic which were free print and plays um it's create randomly generated scenarios like that's what it is right they are unique deck it's a unique deck game we shouldn't have static scenarios we should have randomly generated Scenarios and it can be a pool, you know. You take the kir- Kiraken, um, which is one of the scenarios, right? And he's coming up and he has different cards that you're always going to see the same thing because you're shuffling the same deck. But now imagine that you have a pool of 60 cards it could be coming from, and each of them have different rarities. And th- the deck you buy, the Kiraken deck you get is different than the one I have. And now I may want to buy a couple of those because I'm like, okay, and then I can rate them and this one's harder. This one's good against this type of deck or that one's good about that type of deck. If they lean into that, I think Keyforge has something that can actually take it far into the future. If they lean into competitive play. Which they are also trying, they haven't really leaned into anything yet. They have announced some of their organized play stuff, but um, if they do that, then it goes back to Kitty's Camp, where it's like, okay, well, it just feels like it's pay to win, right? Whoever has the best deck is going to win. It's not exactly like that, but it feels like that.
3: They talked about streamlining some of their organized play so that it's less confusing to new people, because right now, having so many variants and so many different ways that you can play when you sit down does means that you, you don't have any consistency. So I think that if they're going to do something like that, which I agree is an excellent idea, that would be something that would come much farther down the line. And, you know, they're going to be at Gen Con if you want to suggest it.
2: Um, oh, yeah. By the way, uh, we didn't mention this at the top of the show that... Um Sydney and I are actually going to be at Gen Con for approximately eight hours. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna show up Thursday morning at ten o'clock. Actually, t- ten hours. We're gonna show up at ten o'clock and we're gonna leave at eight o'clock on Thursday, just Thursday. There are a few things that I want to pick up at the show, and KeyForge just said, "Okay, well, KeyForge was one of them." Um, yes, John, I caved. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be we're going to go in i'm going to pick up my marvel promo we're going to pick up some keyforge stuff um there's a few other things on my list that i want to try i signed up for a twilight inscription um demo at six o'clock which is why we're not leaving until eight which is the roll and write for twilight imperium um so yes we'll, we'll be there but that's that's why sydney alluded to the fact that they'll be at gen con i i'm i'm you know i don't need to say that Sydney's going solely so she can hang out with Ghost Galaxy people and play KeyForge. So I'm just gonna let, let you make that recommendation. Now, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is apps. So KeyForge doesn't have an app. Ghost Galaxy says their priority right now is not an app. Sword Forge Fusion does not have an app. Asterisk next to it, but it started out as an app, and the game needs one. Um, <laughs> actually, I think I think both games need one, but I'm wondering. Um, so Soulforge Fusion. The reason there's an asterisk next to it is because they've been pushing this pretty hardcore on Tabletop Simulator. If you have a Soulforge Fusion deck, you can scan into QR codes and you can play those decks on Tabletop Simulator. And for those who have never played Tabletop Simulator, it is a 3D tabletop essentially, and you anybody that it's can a upload asset a tab- tabletop. <laughs> it's sort of simulating a tabletop, yeah. I would, I would say, I mean, if you want to make it simple, I would call it a tabletop simulator. Oh, interesting. But, um, yeah, yeah. But um, so anyone can upload assets, and typically the players themselves have to maintain the rules. The, the game doesn't do much for you as far as maintaining rules. But it does have a macro system, which are just these tiny little programs, and they have some an extensive system for Soulforge, Forge, which will handle your shuffling, your lane placement, your combat... It handles a lot of it. Um, it's also on TTS, and I will never, ever, ever play this game on TTS. It could be the best game on the planet. I will still not do it. What is TTS? And I know that I'm not alone in this. T- TTS, Tabletop Simulator. Oh, TTS. Um, okay. Yes. I
0: thought
2: you said F. And, yeah, you have to have Steam. You can only play it on Mac and PC at the moment. Um and I just, I hate TTS. I hate everything about it. I hate the interface. I hate everything. I'm glad to the people who like it, and I'm glad it exists, but it's not a casual gamer's platform. And it will not bring in people to play this game. Like, it just won't. It's a way of people who already know TTS, they can play SoulForge, but it's not going to bring in new SoulForge players. Like, you're just, you're not going to do it. Uh So, it needs an app, but they had one before, and they're not... Like they're like, look, it was too expensive. This game would have to do incredibly well for us to be able to create an app and maintain the the support for an app. I don't ever expect it to happen. I think they're just going to lean into the TTS thing and and call it a day. So we'll see.
3: What about splitting benefit. the difference and having like a browser interface, like not tabletop simulator, but like a browser interface that was simply a a, a website.
2: I'd play it there if it was if it was officially supported if it was a browser-based site i would i have no problem with that and but you're still so, that's and, still like an app um, essentially you're like already there right but it's a little bit cheaper to do in the browser um simply because you can write it once and it'll run every place and it's you're not people aren't really expecting the same level of interfaces of like a ios app or something like that this app was gorgeous at on its time don't get me wrong they did a great job with the app um, and then Terrence mentioned, and Sydney, I know you would mention too, the Crucible is where you can play Keyforge online. It is not officially supported. Another thing I would love to see Ghost Galaxy do is acquire the Crucible online.
3: That is a very common thought amongst the Keyforge community. It is absolutely something that FFG let it go under the radar because it kept Keyforge alive during the pandemic. And so a lot of the community feels like the, the, the fan base owes Keyforge, owes TCO a lot for keeping Keyforge alive. And that's why it still exists. We don't really know what the interactions yet are going to be between Ghost Galaxy and TCO because it's not been established yet.
2: Yeah. TCO, The Crucible Online, which is thecrucible.online, um, where if you want to play Keyforge, you can go there now. You can play completely for free. It is fan-made, fan-run. Um, no company has backed it, and no company has sent Shh. it a cease and desist, right. as far as I know. So both of those things could happen. And, and honestly, SoulForge Fusion could potentially fall in that same category as well. There's some stuff that SoulForge does that... Keyforge does not. And in Soulforge Fusion, not only are the cards randomly put into a half deck, the cards themselves can have random modifiers applied to them as well. So you could have a particular card that has a modifier on it that literally doesn't exist in anyone else's deck. Eventually, that random combination will appear again. But since there's rarities to the cards and rarities to the modifiers, if you get like a ultra rare card and with an ultra rare modifier you probably are the only one that has that card and you can tell because on the bottom right corner of every SoulForge forge card is a stupid number <laughs> this is where i get a little salty because i'm about to go off on soul forge fusion and just stone blade in general On on I'm, I'm actually having a hard time not to swear i'm so angry about it so tell me why chris but in the bottom right corner, <laughs> yeah i'll tell you why this is not why this is just an example. On the bottom right corner of every card is a number. And I asked Sydney. I said, Sydney, what is that number? And she gave me an answer. And I was like, no, try again. And then she got upset. She's like, well, I don't know. What's, what's the number? I'm like, that's what I'm asking you. This is a usability test. <laughs> there's a number here on this card. Tell me what it is. I know what it is. Nobody in their right mind would ever come up with what it is. Um, Fletcher, there's a number. Bottom right corner of a card. There's 10 cards in this deck. Uh, two of the cards, the number is 14. The other eight cards, it's some random number between 1,000 and 10,000. Uh, the same... What is this
0: number? It, the two cards that have the same number, are they the same card? No, completely nope. different cards.
2: Uh, I don't know. You can play along at home, too. <laughs> <If they're... laughs> Miles, Miles is guessing rarity. So rarity is the closest answer to it. What it actually is... ranking's is a good one. Um, what it actually is, is it is the number... It is the number if, there should be a if at the end of it, of how many, it's even hard to describe. So the 14, there were 13 identical cards of it printed in other decks before it was printed.
3: It is the 14th version of that card in any deck.
2: Yes. At the time that that deck was printed. So there could be more since then. And then each deck itself has a number on it saying this is the whatever deck printed. So if I have the first deck printed, all of my cards are going to say one. If I have the ten thousandth deck printed, they could be anywhere from one to ten thousand in there. So in a way, it kind of measures so rarity. It's like but it is a completely pointless number. Right. So that's like when you get
0: <laughs> that's like when you get one of those uh semi, you know, rare autographed paintings or something where it's like you have, you know, painting twenty-eight out of five hundred. Except right. you don't know how many oh, there are. You run. just have painting twenty-eight. <laughs> You just have painting 28. But you don't know if they're out of how many. Who knows? Maybe and 28. And if you have 10 paintings like, by this person, 000.
3: they're not all number 28. One of them is, is 10. One of them is 40. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that number so, is just ridiculous. So why is and it, it on the card? It's undocumented as far as I can tell. Um. So... All right. Here's, here's my main problem with Sword for Fusion. It's not the card design. It's not the game. The game actually plays fine. Um, it is way too fiddly in, for in person, but the game is fine. The execution is horrible. They focus so much on getting the technical pieces in place, the random generation. Um, we want to do all this cool, custom cards on, you know, modifiers to cards and all of these different things. And if you go on their site, there's so many different things talking about how this rarity can stack with that rarity and these things combine and this does this and there's green and purple and gold rarities. And so much stuff was spent on the algorithm, for lack of a better term. And so little was actually spent on the physical components of the game. The card layout, the graphic design, the art is fine, but it's like, small and kind of set back. The graphic design is 10 years old. It's the same graphic design that they had 10 years ago. It's the same cards they did 10 years ago, except they went one step further. I mentioned how every card has three levels. In the original game, every piece of art also had three levels. Well, they took all that out for most cards in the physical versions because like, oh, it's easier to look for if the picture's the same. Well, I could also just look for the name at the top of the card. Like the one thing that sets this game apart Art-wise, you took out. You left all the horrible graphic design. The graphic design hurts my eyes. It's so, so bad. Better the, or the worse car- than
1: Terraforming Mars?
2: <laughs> worse.
1: Worse than worse. Terraforming Mars? Oof. Yes.
2: So much worse. Oof. like and, and that's saying that so- now the art in Soul Forest Fusion is better. But the graphic design is better in Terraforming Mars. It's... It's just, and the difference between art and graphic design is the graphic design is all the framing, all the icons. The when you look at the card, does everything make sense? You know, does it flow? That's that's what I'm talking about with graphic design. The cards themselves, and they say that the commercial version is going to be different than the KeyForge version. I've seen this in a couple of places. When you open a pack of the KeyForge edition of these cards,
3: you mean the Kickstarter? You will start
2: the Kickstarter. Sorry, the Kickstarter edition of these cards. <laughs> Thank you. Um. You can literally get paper cut by the edge of the card. Like it's, it's just this rough kind of gritty sandpaper edge. They're fully now, produced, need, though. It's, they're really they, bad. They you chose have to immediately, this? Yes. You immediately sleeve them. Obviously, it's a collectible card game. You're going to sleeve them. So it's not that big a deal. But they don't feel good in your hands. Like they feel like you're getting like little micro slivers from the paper cuts <laughs> on the side of the cards. And the cards are kind of thin and flimsy. <laughs> the back of the card has Soulforge Fusion printed on it. Landscape. The cards are portrait. They're always portrait. They never exist in landscape.
1: Isn't there one that goes landscape?
2: Yes, but it's double sided. It's double okay. sided, and on the one yeah. side it has the deck list, and the other side I it tr- has the character. I try. <laughs> it's the only card that goes landscape, and it doesn't have the the twisted. It's just. Terrence mentions some sloppy, sloppy arse nonsense. I <laughs> R in there. It's it's so disappointing because it, there's so much potential with this game. It's just so disappointing. Not to mention, it is fiddly. Like I spend as much time thinking about the game as I do searching for the next card and remembering that as soon as I play a card, I have to pick up a, a pile of cards and find the next one to put in my discard. I think that that can get overcome with just, you know, muscle memory playing it out. Keyforge was a tricky one to learn how to play at the beginning too. Mm-hmm. Um
3: just like remembering to flip your keys once you forge a key. It's it'll it'll get there.
2: Right. So that's fine. But then we were playing and when you have two we had we had literally creatures with and this is our second game with four ten-sided dice on the creature to try to track their current attack and and health values. Now that by itself is annoying, but then you have some cards that reference if the card has less health, if if the health is less than whatever, right? That's basically like if this if the kill a creature who has reduced health. Well, the only way they know they have their reduced health is so you have to move your dice to see if the health on the die is less than the health on the card, and so it's it's just so fiddly and cumbersome, and. <laughs> I, I I really just wish they didn't take the thousands. Yes, Miles Like sounds like a great computer game. It is a great computer game. <laughs> and they took the hundreds of cards that were designed for the computer game, and they just ported them over. Mm-hmm. And they could have done a pass. They could have said, look, we have health that range from 1 to 30. I think 30 is the highest I've ever seen. And attacks that range from 1 to 30. And we have all these modifiers. Let's just divide everything by three. Let's just make sure that nothing ever gets above 10. Let's make a rule that you can never have more than 10 attack or 10 health on a card. If we're going to have this it'd be a physical version, let's make it so that the physical version doesn't become unwieldy. And I know for a fact that they did test this in 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 paper. I've seen many people, you know, pictures of it, but I know for a fact primarily that playtesting happened on tabletop simulator and these issues just kind of wash away if you're on the computer. So mm-hmm. anyway, that is my venting is going to stop. I do think Forge Fusion is a good game. It has potential. I know for a fact we're going to be playing a lot more of it. Um, we might play a lot more of it. We might play some more of it. <laughs> I, I have a lot of sealed decks. And again, I love, the, I love the distribution model. In any, you buy a pack, and I think they're $30 retail, you get four half decks. That's six different decks inside of that one pack. Like, I love that. And then if you buy another one, you're multiplying that on top of the, like, you you get crazy combo levels really, really fast. Love that. A sealed tournament, awesome. Here's your four decks. Evaluate which two combos work together and play, right? You don't, Key Forge is, you get three decks and you evaluate which deck you're going to use. I love that. I love so many things about Sword First Fusion, which is why I'm so angry about the half-assed development and production of it. Because, I'm just so disappointed in in how it came out. Um also update the iconography. We're we're in a different age. They've been working on Ascension for so long. I just I maybe they don't have a graphic designer anymore. They just use the same thing over and over. I don't know.
3: <laughs> what did the board look like? You said you played it before. Like did was there a board the way that we have one in front of us or was it just the cards were out there in the app? In, in the app
2: form, so if you have the play mats or if you get the starter kit, you'll have a play mat that have t- five different lanes. Um, so that's one of the things that's nice about uh, Soul Forge Fusion is you can only ever have five creatures on the board. Keyforge can get crazy. Like you can literally have 20, well, you can literally have 36 creatures on the board. <laughs> um, I've never seen a deck with 36 creatures, but you could have that, right? There's, a,
3: there's an it's, algorithmic limit. I forget what it is.
2: Yeah. But Soul Forge has five lanes. If you have five creatures out and you want to play another one, it's going to replace one that's there. And so that keeps things limited and it actually works really well for an app because it's five lanes on the app. So the app would look the same way. You each had your lanes. You played your lanes. Um, there's lots of, you know, effects and stuff. You, it did obviously didn't show your discard pile as like a stack of cards or anything like that. Um, but you always had a count of what it was. Honestly, I played the game for two years. I never understood how the cycling worked. I never understood when my leveled up cards were going to come back to me. I just play. I wasn't competitive. I wasn't very good at the game. But I'm like, oh, in the physical version, I understand it now. At least I understand what's going on. You need, but to. um, yeah, you need to because you you are cycling your cards. You're drawing. You have 20 cards in your deck. You're going to have three hands or three turns. They don't call them rounds. They call them turns, but they're really rounds. Uh, where you're going to draw five cards. You can play any two. There's no mana, just like Keyforge, and then you discard the rest and draw the next five. You do that three times, which leaves five cards that you're not gonna draw. Then you shuffle your discard pile and your draw pile. And then you advance the level of your archon or hero or whatever they call them. And now you have a special ability available to you. And now you're drawing from the next set of decks. You do that four times. And at the end of four times, whoever has the most health Wins.
3: And after each turn, we inserted our own step of counting and making sure we added five cards <laughs> to our discard pile each time. Because if you didn't, that would be the time, the easiest time to correct ourselves.
2: Yeah. So if you forget to upgrade, update or if you a creature is killed and you put it into your discard pile instead of your banish pile, then your card count is off. You're like, OK, what did I mess up? So there's, there's these it different checkpoints. Again, fiddly. that's more muscle memory than anything else. It is. <laughs> It is fiddly. It's kind of fiddly. Keyforge is kind of fiddly too, though. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to give it too many notches for the fiddliness of it because every game is fiddly.
1: Keyforge kind of like, it eased us into the fiddliness. There were uh, different cycles that came out. And the first one, it was more straightforward. There were not as many abilities. And it, like, honestly, it lost me at some point by just adding too much fiddliness to it at a time when I was pregnant and miserable and couldn't <laughs> handle it. And I feel and you. I felt betrayed. <laughs>
3: yeah. One of the things that Keyforge does with its mechanics is it won't reintroduce old mechanics. It will just pull forward cards from previous sets. And so something like Ward that came out in the third set, that actually hasn't been given to many new cards at all. It just simply is if a card is reprinted in a set from the third set that has the ward mechanic it'll be in your deck so there are mechanics that it forgets faster than you wish it would that maybe like trickle themselves into new sets but once you add all of those together and and have to remember them because let's say you're playing someone from that's playing a set from a different uh, a deck from a different set that just adds all together and that that creates the crazy yeah
1: yeah, yeah. cuz it's not just knowing your deck it's knowing what your opponent is going to do. And that's part of being a competitive card player that I was not as prepared for before I got really into KeyForge was, you know, I knew I had to know my deck backwards and forwards. I had to be able to play everything I need to know. I need to be able to defend my cards. But I didn't know what I needed to ask, what I need to be watching for other people. What, how, you know, and like, there's nothing worse than like, Wait, stop playing. How does this work when you're like, you know, trying to be intimidating and competitive?
2: <laughs> now, some people have said that the interactions with Keyforge cards are more complicated than the interactions of Soulforge cards. Um, we've only seen I think forty cards so far on Soulforge. And I will say in general, that's probably true. Uh Soulforge, their modifiers are usually modify health or attack. Um you know, move the car to the front or the back, do damage. It's There's relatively straightforward things. It's kind of like the timing of when... Actually, there is no timing either, because when the five lanes attack, they all attack simultaneously. So everything just happens all at once. Um, so I think Soul Forge in general is a more straightforward rule set. Oh, by the way, they don't include a rules booklet in any form of the physical version. <laughs> there are no rules. There we are still some things we don't that. know. <laughs> yeah. So... Um there is a rules PDF online now, but it's yeah, you have to go and find the rules. Which I don't think is a bad thing. Honestly, I think for a collectible card game in general, I think keeping a living document for rules is the best. But I kinda like Keyforge's way of doing it of saying, Okay, here's a quick leaflet of rules, so you at least have something to start getting you to play. There now is now go no follow
1: rules. up here online.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: At least, like, put something with a QR code in there. You're
2: you're punishing... This will
1: take you to the rules. You're punishing
0: (laughs) the impulse buyer that's like, oh, this game looks fun. And then you open it
2: up and it's like, there's no rules in this. Yeah. What do I do with this? I think... Yeah, I don't even think there is... I think in the in the like booster um packs like the standard deck packs, I'm not even sure there is a reference to where you can get the rules. But I'd have to double check, but I I'm, I'm pretty sure there was not.
3: Both of these games are the kind of games that like if you're coming from it completely green, you need to start with a starter pack of some kind. Like you cannot mm-hmm. just pick up decks even though that's like Kind of Keyforge t- t- Keyforge's tagline is that you can just pick up a deck and play. Like if you don't know what you're doing or you don't have the tokens necessary, you kind of can't.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I will always remember playing that first Game Hole Con when we went and we got our decks and we were playing with just like whatever bits Skittles. of other games we had lying around Skittles and Cheerios and whatever it was because the starter we didn't have starter packs yet. All we had were these decks that we got from playing at the event, which was ridiculous.
2: Yeah. But it was so much fun. And honestly, you know, there's a lot of issues I have with uh, Keyforge art. Actually, I have one issue with Keyforge art. Everything, all the houses look the same. So the art on an individual card isn't distinctive to me. Anything Sanctum, I can tell you. I can look at the art and say this is Sanctum. But they're so similar to everything else in Sanctum that I can't tell you what in Sanctum it is. Yeah. Um. That's my only real complaint with the art there. Also, artifacts and actions are confusing as I'll get out when you first start playing. <laughs> um. That's that's a graphic design issue. But in any case, I. Loved looking at Keyforge cards. Like, it had table presence. Soulforge does not have table presence. Not in its current form. Now, I'm not saying they can't fix it. It's a unique card game. They can fix it. They can never change the backs of the cards um, because all the backs are the same. In Keyforge, they could completely change everything. It doesn't matter because every deck is self contained. In Soulforge, they have to be able to be merged with others. But here's my other problem because of the. I think we're using the term crap ass. Um, quality of the cards. <laughs> you almost have to stick with that same quality. Otherwise you can't shuffle two decks together because you can't shuffle a key for or a, a soul forge from the Kickstarter deck with a soul forge commercial. If the commercial cards or the retail cards are way better quality, you can. You just have to say, okay, now cards are only legally. Them. Yeah, they're only legal if you're sleeved. Now, magic does this. You cannot play in competitive events without uh, sleeved cards. Keyforge and does this. Keyforge too. does this. I was gonna for say for any, yeah, anything outside of the store, you have to use key sleeved cards. So I don't actually mind that from the competitive side of things. But most of these games are played kitchen table. Most people are not sleeving their cards. Like Doug. One of the best Keyforge players I know only sleeves the cards reluctantly like he has to. Otherwise when he's just playing to. with
3: And he'll sleep yeah. them some cards upside down so that you don't know which way you need to pull the card out of the sleeve. Yeah.
2: He is a monster, Miles. And he'll play with upside down cards. So when you look across the table, oh my you're like, Your cards aren't even facing the right way. It's like yeah, but be I'm like, no like Yeah. I'm like, It's a mind game. Like it's good. <laughs> He's, he's in your head and you're just, you're so concerned about how he can even play that you're not worried about your own game. It's, it's yep. crazy.
1: <laughs> that was the best man at Spencer and I's wedding.
2: Yep. <laughs> is this
1: monstrous human?
2: <laughs> I also love about he's the also back. also the nicest guy you'll ever meet too. But...
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. He saved our wedding. So, yep. you know, story for another time. Yep. But yes, yep. Doug is a great, incredible, monstrous human.
3: He's also so chill that like you can't, there's no mind games with him while you're playing. He's just sitting there hanging out, beating your butt. And he's
1: probably not wearing socks. (laughs) Yep. Ever. Poor Doug.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he knows.
1: He knows. (laughs) All right.
2: All right. So final question for this podcast um, to try to like put some board game stuff into this as well. Not that every podcast has to (laughs) be about board games. It doesn't. We could um, just do
1: an episode about Doug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we could do an episode about Doug. <laughs> just next week's episode. Doug. Doug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the mystery that cannot be unraveled.
2: So, when Fantasy Flight Games put out Keyforge, they actually released a another unique game before Keyforge was released, and this was called a uh, really bad board game. Um, really something discovery board or something game. like that. Yeah, it was RBB. So it
3: was panned. They
2: yeah. What they tried to do was say, okay, we're going to make this board game and it has unique cards in it. It's like, it's a unique, every board game is going to be different when you open it up. And what would happen is you'd had five different, um, I think quests or scenarios in it. Those would be random. And then the cars that went with it went were random and it essentially had a whole bunch of random things that came together that made a semi-coherent board game. Two problems with this. One is the game had no coherent story because it was all random and two discovery lands unknown. Thanks Joshua. Um, And two, you didn't feel like you had a unique version of the board game. You felt like you had a part of a board game because they were also compatible. You could like combine. (laughs) Joshua's showing us the game. Uh, I'm actually curious. Tell us, tell us, did you like it? Um, You can actually combine multiple of these. And I actually bought two of them and you can combine them. And then you have a bunch of stuff. Right? You have all this stuff that you can, you know, add together. And it just the game wasn't very good. The story was non-existent. And I I always felt like, well, yeah, but I know how many different cards are out there. Why didn't you just give me them all? Or put them in expansions? Or it, it was it was it was lackluster. Now that's just my setup for do you think the unique gimmick, because it is a gimmick and I don't. it's a gimmick I like. Um, do you think the unique gimmick could ever work in a traditional board game? Uh, depends I think on the, that
3: the I think that the way it could be introduced is that an aspect of it, like a smaller aspect of it, maybe, like, not the whole game. There has to be a lot more that is, like, consistent and structured, but maybe, like, like they already do for Soulforge and Keyforge, like, a deck of cards in the game.
2: I see that. Right. Like, essentially... Honestly, it's like the co-op for for Keyforge, right? Where right. it's like here's here's a scenario, it's going to be a random set of cards, but it's still a complete scenario. You can't mix it with other cards. It is its own complete scenario all in one. Mm-hmm. Fletcher, you have thoughts?
0: Um, I mean I, I guess like D&D kind of does this, right? Like you you buy the player's handbook, you buy um, you know, Dungeon Master's guide and then you're off for the races and then you want to like get the monster manual.
2: You wanna buy like
0: Tasha's culture well of everything. It like would be add like on this and add though. On and
2: add on. If you tied it to the unique model, if you take D D and add it to the unique model, imagine that the monster manual came in a binder. I see. And a three ring binder. And everyone who bought the monster manual would get a different random set of monsters in there. Yeah. It doesn't work, right? You're like no, I just want all the monsters. Right. Right. Now, you get, get all dragons. Have fun fighting those. <laughs> yeah. WizKids and Wizards of the Coast, they've done that with like, you know, their blind booster packs for um, their minis and stuff like that. It, it there is a model that exists out there like that. But it's not satisfying when you're like, wait a minute, I should just get all the stuff.
0: Yeah. This could just be one complete game that makes sense as opposed to a bunch of broken games that don't make sense. Or not broken, but like exactly a bunch of like question mark games.
3: Also, aren't there games out there where part of the game is generated by the user base? Like, I mean, the most simplest and silliest one that comes to mind is like Mad Libs, where like you start the game by asking the person words and they are generating it from nothing. And then like you have a whole story that's being told with these words. And so it could be like user generated as
2: well. You could do that. Yes. Yes. But I I still think I'm, I'm trying to think of a way of adding the unique, that unique deck piece to it. Right. How do you make... That unique deck, unique. I mean, one of the ways you could do this is say, look, um, Charterstone. Charterstone is a game by um, Stonemeyer Games. I should know this. It is a legacy game. At the end of the legacy game, you have a board that's unique to you. It's a worker placement game with a unique board. You could imagine something like, okay, we're going to have a worker placement game. And the boards are generated algorithmically. Every copy of this worker placement game has a different board is that good or bad right like okay that's <laughs> fine <laughs> they're all different um, but
1: so here's my my thought um I don't think the worker placement game is a good idea because it like once again you feel like it, it what it comes down to is when it's randomly generated some things are going to be better than other things and you never want to end up with the the bad one especially when you're investing so much more money into a board game as opposed to a deck of cards and so you know the suggestion of like these encounters for a game or something that goes inside a game that makes sense because it's not as big an investment now my thought how we could get into the randomly generate not randomly generated but maybe like um, a more unique thing is what about um alba the open world storybook If instead of the choices you get, you know, branch off what you make and there's only four endings, depending on what book you get, there's 16 endings out there and your book is only going to have four of them. But out there, there's more so you can buy different copies. And, you know, it, it does take more input on someone writing the book. But I like that idea of especially if you buy one hardcover of the book and you get your endings, but then it's only $5 for the you can buy more online digital books or whatever it is so that you're not making that same investment.
2: Yeah, I think that you have to be careful with anything story related, though, because you want the story to still be coherent. And if you're randomly generating a unique path, for everyone now that would actually be interesting is you create the choose your own adventure and then you release the book but every book is different because it automatically chooses the path (laughs) for you so you're just reading a completely different path that would actually be i don't know that
3: would be amazing
2: (laughs) it's like wait you read this book too but no mine didn't what are you talking about joe the camel huh joe the camel um I don't know it's first character came to my mind. <laughs> Terrence mentioned a KeyForge version of it of a deck builder. I think that that works except the deck builder it has to do what KeyForge does. If you buy a deck if you buy a deck building game right now, the backs of all the cards are the same. If you were going to buy a unique deck building game, the backs of the cards would have to be unique. You would have to make sure that you're not able to mix and match with other copies of the game. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like you have a unique copy. It feels like you have a partial copy. And I think that that's kind of the same thing with the storybook as well. It doesn't feel like you have a unique copy. It feels like you have a partial copy. You're missing some endings and you're going to have to go and buy the other Mm -hmm. endings.
3: Yeah, but if the characters died in your ending, there's no going back and doing something else.
2: Yeah. No, honestly, I would love to just like take a choose your own adventure and then have it follow every single path and then just generate every book from it and be like, all right. Here it is. Some of the books would be like four pages long because that's what those shoot show adventures would do. You fell into a cliff and die. Um, but that would be funny. So anyway, I'm, I like this gimmick. I like the unique stuff. I will probably keep an eye on Soulforge forge fusion for a little while. I want to see what they can do with the cards. Um, I want to see how they solve the. Well, these cards were really bad. We know it's just the Kickstarter edition. The retail editions are going to be better. I want to see how they merge those two things together. Um, there's a lot of information. I'll put links in the soul- show notes for both uh, SoulForgeFusion.com and KeyForging.com. These are the two official news and information sites for the two games. I'll put those in the show notes. And yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. I mean, like I said, I like this game. I like KeyForge a lot. I'm looking forward to it coming back. So any other final things to mention? I really, really like Soul Forge Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on a Keyforge podcast, so you're just going to have to...
3: It's all right. My co-host and I talk about Soul Forge Fusion when we stop recording. Yeah.
2: Well, I will say that I've also heard people have the same complaints that I have and that's usually followed up with, but the gameplay is just so good. It's not a bad game. It's not... The game is not what I have a problem with. It's the physical execution of the actual graphic design and cards. Not even the gameplay that I can get over the actual quality of the cards and graphic design. That's that's where my main problem lie. This is 2022. Give us table presence. You cannot compete in a competitive card game market and look like the worst one on the block. When you just came out, like you have things like blood or uh, flesh and blood that looks magnificent. It gameplay aside, whatever. If you walked by that game and you look down, you'd like, you just want to pick up and look at these cards. And Soul force fusion, you're like, Oh, are you playing a dead CCG? I wish. (laughs) All right. On that note, don't forget sign up for tgt con uh link is in the show notes we will be opening up event registrations next week so if you want to run an event or sign up for an event that will happen next week um right now i'm looking i'm targeting i want about a hundred people we're a quarter of the way there so sign up now otherwise there's just not going to be enough events also no none of the hosts on this podcast have signed up. It doesn't count any of us of us. Um also doesn't count a few other people. So we're probably around, you know, 35 40 people signed up. Um let's get to 100 sign up. That's all. I'm asking. also I'm giving away money. All right. On that note, Kitty, take us out.
1: Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights at 8.30 Central or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in the show notes. You can email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by your patrons. If you'd love to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or there's a link in the show notes, too.
3: Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. I know the beginning and end of this very well. Adam Harrison. (laughs) Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayash, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Le- Leanne Verhulst, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yenakowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terence Miltner, Richard Yassi, Tolkien Fan Forever... Michael Findlay, Stephen Falcon, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Aaron Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Huang, and Sean P. Kelly.
2: Wow, that was almost in one breath. Yeah. That was really good.
1: <laughs> she does circular breathing.
2: It's <laughs> <is> so good. <laughs> Just like Thank Kenny G. Many- (laughs) anyone who's ever been a patron your support means the world to us Uh, until next week keep playing games and having fun alright so one thing I did not mention in the normal part of the episode is I have 90% finished my first episode to how to bga a new youtube channel i'm trying to finish it before i post this podcast so if i do there'll be a link in the show notes um and the first one is basically the introduction to board game arena so there will be no subscribers on this channel watch it subscribe and i will keep making a bunch of new ones and more so yeah are you guys gonna watch it when you post it all right Mm -hmm. are you gonna subscribe no i don't subscribe to anything
0: Mm -hmm. Fletcher. you made me kitty Kitty's,
2: <laughs> kitty refuses she's not even making eye contact it's over a video <laughs> and she's like she's just gonna stare at the wall not just looking at anyone yeah there you go that's a youtube now, move right there <laughs> that is hand a hand to move. the camera <laughs> john says you're all bad hosts now my goal on this channel is to No, um, we're
1: bad friends it's <laughs> <That's> different <laughs>
2: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to put a lot of how to play videos on there. And, you know, basically five to seven minute videos where it take you from, I have no idea what I'm doing in this game to, oh, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Because so many of the games on Board Game Arena are taught from the physical form, which means you get a lot of information you don't need. Yeah. And... When you do the digital form, you can also point out some, you know, interface intricacies that you can't normally, that you well, wouldn't be pointed out in the physical version. So that is my goal. Um, there'll be some general information stuff too. So if you have questions, ask me them on the channel, post in the comments. And now I have obligated myself to actually get this thing edited tonight.
1: <laughs> Good luck. Good night.